Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Joel Coleman of Sports Illustrated's Cowbell Corner, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. Now, get ready for thunder and lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Joel T. Coleman here with you on a Friday morning. We are so glad that you have joined us here at supertalk.fm or wherever it is that you get your podcast from. Appreciate all of our listeners tuning in, especially our great servicemen and women taking care of us across the world and our medical personnel taking care of us here at home. We want to thank our good sponsors over there at Strange Brew Coffee House and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. Churn and Spoon is going to be opening up very, very soon. So this gift card that's still sitting on my desk and has been sitting on my desk now since I think the first weekend of March it's it's burning a hole here. It's going to get used at some point. And of course, if you if you're headed over to Strange Brew uh, right now, if you're going to go by there in the morning, you go by there in the afternoon to give you that little quick pep up. Just know that you're getting the uh, best service, best coffee, best in town. No question about that. So University Drive or University Drive here in Starville or Brupolo over in Tupelo. That seems like it fits. Any one of those places take care of you, just like they're going to take care of Joel T. At approximately two p.m., two p.m. ish. Yeah, somewhere. Well, it'll be before then, probably. Okay. It'll either be, it'll either be between eleven and noon. Kind of depends on my my day schedule. Yeah. But I, between like noon and three, that's prime nap time where where, yeah. where Daddy has to do some writing and okay. some working. So uh, it'll either be before twelve or after three. Okay. Well, whenever it is, you know, you know you're getting taken care of, and you know our good friends at Strange Brew will do the job. Uh, I want to talk real quick about something that's very important to me, very important. All right, maybe maybe something I hold more dear than just about anything else on this earth, and that is Father's Day. It is coming, folks. And if you're trying to get the best possible gift for Dad, and Dad's a bulldog, well, I know exactly where you need to go. And your your dad will be excited that you saved money doing it. <laughs> if he's anything like me or my father or his father before him, we love the maroon and white and a great deal. Well, College Corner has got that for you. Just go to collegecornerstore.com and get a gift card online. And you get 30% off that purchase. you got to search for gift card in the bar there and boom, 30% off. Get dad a nice new polo. Get him some, you know, a new hat, new t-shirt. Or any sort of MSU merchandise that the heart desires. Take care of Dad this Father's Day. You only get one dad. And, you know, if, you, if your dad's a rebel, well, I'm sorry to hear that, but you should take care of him, too. And and, and so on and so forth. So, College Corner, at Fleet, uh, they're in Ridgeland by Fleet Feet. They're in Flowood by the Half Shell. Or go to collegecornerstore.com. Take care of your dad this, uh, this Father's Day with a gift from College Corner. Our good friends at Advantage Business Systems want you to know whatever you need to get done in your business these days, they can take care of you. If you want to upgrade the technology you currently have in your office, they can get that. They have they are the leading resource in this state for office products and business communication solutions. If your employees are still staying at home, if you're, you're still playing it safe with COVID-19, well, again, if you need to get them devices at the house, Advantage Business Systems can help you. There's just no limit 
to what they can do to make your business more efficient, more productive, and save you a good bit of money in, in the process. So why don't you give them a call today at 844-833-6245 or visit them online at absms.com. Advantage Business Systems helps your business do business. It's Deep Dive Friday. We about to do some business. Business? Right now. Is it business or business with a D? Ah, it just depends on the situation. <laughs> um, if, if <laughs> you know, sometimes, sometimes, you know, you're in the corporate world, you got your suit and tie on, that's business. Business. When you're sitting here getting down and dirty podcasting, it's business. <laughs> when the, the sleeves get rolled up. <laughs> it's deep dive time. We're going to talk about 1998 baseball, a team that I am I'm labeling as the forgotten team. You know, MSU has only had, prior to last season, only one team had ever made the back-to-back kind of trip to Omaha. It was this 98 team coming off the 97 year. Um, Loaded with players that I think, if you said, name some legends of MSU baseball, these guys' name would come up. Maybe my favorite Bulldog of all time was on this 98 team. Chapman. Travis Chapman. Travis Chapman, Chapman. yeah. Who was, you know, a young player on this Mm -hmm. team. Um, Brad Freeman and Brooks Bryan, who we're going to talk to in this episode. Richard Lee. Uh, Barry Patton, Brian Weiss, Rusty Toms, Van Johnson, Scott Polk, you know, Matt Ginter, Jeremy Jack. I think I said him twice. It doesn't matter. Even John Knott, who Brooks Bryan forgot about in his interview. My gosh, Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> Big John. In fairness, Brooks texted me after. And he's like, hey, I forgot to mention John Knott. <laughs> I was going to see how far we could let that slide, see if, we, if John's listening and he can get a little upset at Brooks Bryan. That would have been on him. Was he the original knock it out, John? I, I believe so. I believe, yeah. I believe that's accurate. I mean, unless it goes back further than that, but if it does, I don't remember. Because, I mean, I, you know, right here, 97, 98, I mean, I, I, I hit the teenage years in 98. I turned 13. I'm trying to remember back before then if there was a John that we had knock it out, John, for. Not, not that but, I can remember. Yeah. John Knott is the one that I associated yeah. with first. But. but like I said, he was a freshman on this team, and uh, obviously we're here uh, – you know, talking about this this team, this '98 team. You said yourself, you remember going to to Starkville to Duty Noble for '97 for, for the regionals. Games, but yeah. this this regional played at Texas A and M at a time when college baseball was not televised. You know, mm-hmm. all of these games are televised now. All of almost Mississippi State, unless they play a road game out of conference, the game is going to be televised. And even then, depending on where they're at, yeah. you may still get a feed of it somewhere. No. Yeah, you may there may be some sort of, of streaming feed. Think about like what was it, where they would play this year? Was it Long Beach State? Yeah, yeah. Well, there was there was there was a feed. This time, there's nothing. I, and you and I both said we. I can remember very clearly where I was listening to Jim Ellis yeah, describe you, the action. If you kept up with this game, you either went to College Station or you listened to Jim Ellis. On the radio, yeah, probably. I mean, I, Brooks talks about it a little bit there in in, in the interview you'll hear in a, in a little bit, but uh, you know, this is the infancy of the internet. Mm-hmm. I don't know that. I know a few years down the road you get marooned to the max and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, w- would come about, but I don't think it was here yet. Well, I mean, this is where if you wanted to socialize with some MSU fans online, you went to ebicom dot slash jeans page <laughs> I mean there was no 24-7 there was no rivals there was no six pack speak there was none of that other stuff 
You know, it was yeah. just it was it was just so. See, see, you may have just had your Walkman, or you may have had like yeah. l- listened in the car, just sat in your car and listened. We had the or well, I mean, I remember where I listened to it. They had one of those console radios that yeah. had a six disc changer on Man, top. Yeah. You know, and that's that's what we just sat there and listened to Jim Ellis on. You know, or, I think there I think the TV had a radio in it too. You could listen to radio through the TV. I mean, that's, that's what you had to do back in the day. That's how you survived as a college baseball fan. And I think that's why this team isn't remembered, because this team played in a lot of big games. They played in the College World Series. They played in one of the craziest games ever played in Mississippi State baseball history, the game over Rice. And you can't – there's no video of this anywhere. There's the, there, you know, there's never going to be a Mississippi State takeover on SEC Network, and we're going to get to watch the 1998 yeah. regional – at Texas A and M. Well, it was even pretty tough for you, wasn't it, for you to kind of wrangle up a box score for the. For, for, you you for got the it the next day. You had to go buy a Clarion Ledger. Yeah. You know, you got to go put, you go put fifty cents in the Clarion Ledger machine and drop and pick like ten of them out, <laughs> so all the so everybody could have one. Now, like every pitch, the box score is updated. You can watch. Yeah, there's no live stats back then. <laughs> live stats was whoever was sitting there writing it down. If you weren't looking over his shoulder, you had no idea. Yeah. So just such a different time for I mean, And what's funny about this is that. Think about college basketball, right? Really, not that different than what it is now. Now, you, you they they did have, you know, the games, the first and second round games were sort of done regionally, right? So, if you're a Mississippi State fan, you got the South Region, or you got whoever Mississippi State was playing, or whatever, right? But for the most part, you knew you could watch your team play all the way through the NCAA tournament. But for college baseball, you didn't see anything. You better hope you were hosting, or you better hope they were in Omaha. Exactly. Those are your only two options if you wanted to watch your team play. And so this team that has a ton of great players on it, and is historic, by the way, not only in terms of what it did going back-to-back college World series, this is the first year of the Pat McMahon era. This is Ron Polk's, he's gone. You know, This is the, the first year that Mississippi State baseball has been without Ron Polk since 1976, right? And... To think that that team has sort of been lost to the sands of time because we just don't have the the technology, it's 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 sort of interesting to me, you know? I feel like people know more about, like, the 80 football team. And, the you know, some of these other teams, long before this team, but just because there's more, there's more stuff. I can go find highlights of the 1980 team, football team, on YouTube right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, they... I think there's the whole LSU game is on there. I think the Alabama, the Alabama game, might, game be, might be on well, there. Well, they aired the Alabama game on SEC Network. Yeah, yeah. Not too terribly long ago. But you can't find this stuff anywhere. And so, you know who I should have interviewed now that I think about it? Now I'm kicking myself. I should have called Jim Ellis. Should have done that. But it's, but it's a really good team. It's got a lot of great players. And there were a lot of good wins in this season. You know, I, I, I mentioned it with Brad, you know, going back to the, uh, the Winn-Dixie Showdown, which is such a great event. I really wish they would find a way to bring that back. Were you familiar with it before I talked about it? I mean, I, I remember it. So but. if you never heard of it, the Winn-Dixie Showdown was every year the three big baseball schools in Louisiana, which at the time were LSU, Tulane, and UNO, University of New Orleans, not ULL, uh, would host – one state's big three at the Superdome. So when Mississippi would be in there, it would be State, Ole Miss, and Southern. Uh, sometimes they would bring Texas, Texas A&M, and somebody else from Texas. They would bring Alabama, Auburn, and UAB, something like that. And it was a really – and they would alternate. It was always Louisiana schools, but then the other team would come in. So this was State's year. 
They beat LSU eleven to three in the Superdome. Which have you ever been to the Superdome? For for uh, you, I mean for baseball. <laughs> no, for baseball, no. Such a weird environment. Have you ever been to a domed baseball stadium? <sighs> I don't been guess I have. Not you think. No. Not think about it. No, because I. It's so weird because the air is so dead. Balls that you think like off the bat, you're like that is gone, and they just die in the outfield because yeah. there's no wind or anything. Such a weird atmosphere for baseball. But I mean, there were fifteen, sixteen thousand people in that stadium that night. I mean, that's a it was a it was bigger than any crowd had been, I think, at Duty Noble. It is full of state fans and LSU fans. And of course, that year, and and Brooks Bryan makes mention of this in the interview. Ole Miss not exactly what they are today in baseball. Uh, they didn't they didn't show they they sent Arkansas in their place. So. But that was a, a fun series, you know, and then the, that was just a really good team that not a lot of people know a lot about. So let's talk to some guys who do know, and let's move on into our interviews. Brought to you by our good friends over at Welcome Home Beef. I want you to go to their website at facebook.com slash Welcome Home Beef. They've got the full menu up there, prices and, and all the cuts that are available to you. But don't, don't just worry about that menu. Talk to them. Talk to those guys. Talk to the, the Sanders family and see what you can get done because, hey, they, they're willing to do special cuts. They're willing to make special orders for you. All you've got to do is call them at 662-418-2021 or go online at facebook.com slash welcomehomebeef and place your order with them today. Steaks, burgers, stuff for the grill, stuff for the smoker, everything you a, a pit master needs, it's available to you. Great prices. They've got some packages they can put together for you with 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 a little bit of everything in there that can get you taken care of. So why don't you give them a call today? Again, that number is 662-418-2021, or just go to facebook.com slash welcomehomebeef and place your order today. Whatever you order from them, one thing is for sure. It just tastes good. All right, let's go to the Welcome Home Beef hotline and talk first off to former MSU, former MSU shortstop Brad Freeman. Joining me now on the Welcome Home Beef Hotline from the 1998 uh, College World Series baseball team, Diamond Dogs, Brad Freeman, who lives... This is two weeks in a row, Joel. Where, where do you live, Brad? Oxford. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I know. How's that going for you? Yeah. Well, you know, I do, a, I do my best while I'm here. <laughs> yeah, so, like say, I got you. I got you. Good. you get a lot of good people here. I, the way we've been describing this team is sort of the forgotten College World Series team. And I think the reason I put it that way is because you won your super, your, not even super regional, you won the regional away from Starkville mm-hmm. in a time where none of these games were televised. I remember having to listen to Jim Ellis to keep up with this regional. Yeah. You know, just, just we'll start with sort of an overview thing. Do you agree with my assessment? That, that people talk about the 97 team a lot, and people talk about the 13 team a lot, because you know, even though they won away from home, all those games were on TV, you could just watch them. Do, do right. people forget about this 98 team sometimes? <laughs> you know, I, I, I would agree with that assessment. It was, a, it was a time where the only way you could even really know what was going on is you had the, the radio dialed in uh, to, to Jim Ellis. And um, much of our season was forgettable. Maybe that's why, <laughs> that's why we, was, we got Steve. <laughs> we, uh, we had a loaded team coming back, and we um, – we underperformed, but we got hot at the right time, and that was when we went to Texas A&M. I mean, we had to win, Lord, we had to win like two or three games in the SEC tournament just to qualify mm-hmm. for a regional. So, yeah, I, I would agree with you. Let's let's start at the beginning though, because you know, obviously, this is the first year of Pat McMahon as the head coach. Ron Polk is gone. 
He's retired yeah. for the for the first time at Mississippi State, and now Pat McMahon has taken over. Just you know, in that first you know set of practices where Coach Polk's not out there. How was that for you guys? It was it was very different. <laughs> um, you know, uh, Coach Polk was you. I can't remember the exact allotment of time that the NCAA gave him. Right, his favorite organization. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, he would use every single bit of it. So there was nothing for us to have three or four hour practices. Now, maybe it was a well-oiled machine. You know, it ran and it's fun. But you, he got his time out of out of you per the NCAA guidelines. And um, but yeah, the the, the practices. While they were different, they weren't they weren't like bad different. They were they were definitely different from uh, from Coach Polk's practices. It's it's so funny looking at the scores of us of the non conference games you guys played in. Double digit runs were scored either in a win or a loss. And, and if I'm reading this right, the first eight games you lose yeah. you lose your opener fourteen to thirteen to South Alabama. Then you win <laughs> I think six straight after that, including you win at LSU or versus LSU down in the. Uh, I think it was called the Win Dixie Showdown at that point. It wasn't the Bush mm-hmm. Challenge anymore. I, mm-hmm. I was actually I was actually in the Superdome for that weekend. Yeah. Um, I mean, and that was a lot of fun. Those back of those when when they would do those, the uh, have the the Louisiana schools and bring it. That was the one that Ole Miss sat out, right? I I, I can't remember. I think that's it, right. It yeah. been. Yeah. I think because you know, ninety eight Ole Miss, not great at baseball at that at that point. And, <laughs> that's right. And uh, I think I think I think Arkansas played in that in that against yeah. with, with with y'all and uh, USM. It may have. And then yeah. you mentioned, you know, this team in SEC play with the fourteen and fifteen. Now it's the it's SEC baseball. You're, you've got right. the defending national champion LSU Tigers. You've got uh, Alabama, who played for a national title, title the year before. Right. F- Florida would end up going to the national, going to the uh, College World Series. You know, it, it's it's still tough, but you 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 keep up with baseball. How how much is it tougher then than it is now? How would you balance what the SEC is then versus now? You know, I would say back then, uh, home runs were a plenty because you know you would yeah. have to drop drop five bats and you know they grill a ball at LSU. And I swear, I still have nightmares seeing Eddie Furness walk up to the plate. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> you're not alone. You know, like this. Please just pop up somehow. Like, don't hit it four thousand feet. Um, but yeah, you know, I, it. I guess if it, it seems. Well, it seems now it's maybe more of a defensive game, pitchers pitching game. Um, back then, was, like you said, we 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 would pop off double digit runs often. Yeah, uh, and, and oftentimes lose. You know, you know, having double digit runs. So um, I think it's a little. It was a little more offensive back then. Just and maybe that's attributed to the to the bats we were using. I mean, I don't think that the Maybe the arms aren't any better today, but um, maybe they are. I just uh, it just seemed like we were able to to barrel a, barrel a lot more balls up back then. Speaking of arms, obviously one of the big differences from '97 to '98 was Eric Dubose not at the front of that rotation. Obviously, Jeremy Jackson was really really good for you guys, but how how different was it from, to not have Dubose out there on Friday nights? Oh, it's I mean it's just that that mindset. Like when Eric went out there, you're like, oh, we're going to win tonight. Yeah, you know. Like, we're winning tonight because Eric only got to compete once a week, and he was he was one of the toughest competitors that I've ever seen or played with. So um, a rarity that Eric gave you a bad outing or, or loss. So you know there was and Jeremy. Jeremy had a great year that year, but that's a 
you're not going to just hop in there and replace Eric Dubose. Um, and then, you know, I think we had to add a, a freshman step up at the time, Matt Ginner. Mm-hmm. He was a, he, he's very talented, but he's a freshman. And um, we kind of pieced it together. So, yeah, it's a big, big shoes to fill losing Eric. And then you mentioned, you know, the, the SEC tournament, you guys go two and two out there. You get a win over LSU. Okay. Uh, yeah. you know, Arkansas, you lose two games to Arkansas. Who Arkansas, you played five times from the – they were there, you know, the season finale series, and sure. then you played them twice in the SEC and one and four in those games. Uh, was there some was there some sweating on, on selection on the selection day that you know, might not make it? Yeah. We um, – because, you know, there was a field that was eight, eight sites or, or yeah. six sites of 18, whatever it was. But, um, you know, so 48 teams. And while we knew we did – I mean, going especially back then, call it 500 in SEC play. That's, that's not bad. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, absolutely, there was some sweat going on. I knew we had to win two, like for sure. I think we played South Carolina the opening game, correct? Like at Ten in the morning, and then, like you mentioned, lost Arkansas twice. So, um, Coach Pope was actually kind of keep us up to date on where we might be standing, you know, because I think he had more time on his hands, so he uh, he had a pretty good, I remember talking to him after, at, in Birmingham, he was there and he just he kept saying, I think we got a good shot, I think we got a good shot so, luckily you know, we got in and they sent us to A&M, and that was a stacked field mm-hmm. um, when we went to A&M we had to face Washington who we didn't win any part of Washington again after yeah. beating <laughs> <laughs> I think was was Chris Magruder gone by that point? Yeah, thank oh, God. That guy was a monster at ninety seven. He was. Yeah, he was. He was amazing. Yeah. So, you know, um, but yeah, we were we were definitely sweating getting in. Well, let's talk about one of the craziest games in Mississippi State baseball history, and that's the win over Rice, uh, fifteen to fourteen, in a Man. game where I believe you're down thirteen to five, and then yeah. you, you you put together. <laughs> A ten-run inning uh, in yeah. the sixth. Oh yeah. So you know you're in the losers bracket at that point. You know if you lose that game, season's over. Talk us through you know being down and then realizing, hey, we are we're starting to roll here. Yeah. Well, we knew that when we got down, um, you know, thirteen to five, as you mentioned, you don't normally come back from that deficit, right? In baseball, so. Um, I just remember, you know, Coach Mack saying, hey, just, just one pitch at a time. You know, we can, we can piece this together. And, um, I believe we, you know, we got some guys on base, coming hit a triple and scoring three. So, you're like, okay, we're getting closer here. And, uh, but it, it was, um, it's a position that you don't want to be a loser's bracket game. Right. right? Um, so, it was, I mean, it really was an amazing comeback. And, again, kind of like, one of the best comebacks ever is, is, is kind of not talked about often. You don't hear much about it, but that right. was an amazing comeback, especially being a loser's bracket against Rice, who was and they were loaded. Yeah, I, th- uh, I think Lance Berkman had left the year before. Yeah, I don't, th- I don't he think did. he was on this team, but, they, but this was when Rice was maybe the best team in Texas at this point, better yeah. than Texas, better than Texas, even though it was the A&M uh, regional. All and right. then you have to beat A&M twice, you know, to beat the home team twice to, to get <laughs> out of there. And the, and that and that 
uh, first game was a close one too, ten to nine. He sort of had a a little bit easier run in the final game, eleven to five. But mm-hmm. again, this is a, this is a monumental postseason series. One of the greatest uh, comebacks in MSU history. You do to go on the road and win like this, and it just doesn't get its due. I think because I mean, I don't even know. You can't find video of this anywhere. I mean, you go look nah. on YouTube for it. It doesn't exist. No, nah, there's there's hardly any video of it. Um, you know, one thing about that that regional that, that I can remember is it it was the experience factor because we were pretty senior laden team. Yeah. Um, so then, and then, you know, our experience really just kind of it kind of held us together. And I think that's a large part of why we were able to come back against Rice. I mean, we were we were all seniors, and it's like, hey, this is it, boys. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to have to beat A and M you know, twice at the, at their place. And that's a, that's an intimidating place to play. Yeah. Um, as it is. But you're right, there's there's no video. I have a couple pictures, so it did happen, right? Yeah. <laughs> it, it did. But it's in, it's <laughs> it in the media happen. guide, so I guess that's... Yeah, gonna... yeah we're, we're good. Then. We're yeah. good. And then, of course, you know, you go to Omaha, and you win the first game against the number one overall seed, Florida, and they always say, you know, once you beat the one seed, you become the one seed. Obviously, it didn't work out. You know, you lose the next one to LSU. Yeah. That was a close one. And then Southern yeah. Cal, who – did Southern Cal end up winning the national title? They beat, they beat LSU, right? Yeah, they, yeah. they, they won the, the title that year. I think uh, in 97, there were, there were four SEC yeah. teams. They were all West teams. Yeah, all West. Yeah. And they put us in, like, two, two teams in one bracket and two teams in the other. Yeah. And that's when LSU and Bama – played right and then in 98 they didn't make that mistake again they threw us lsu and florida yeah on the same side (laughs) yeah they're like we're gonna get a little more uh regional coverage than regional coverage here you know joel do you do you want to guess what the final i remember now what was the final score of the national championship game between southern cal and and lsu do you want to guess joel uh it was 13 12 something like that it was 21 to 14 oh my god I'm telling you right now, in 1998, if LSU and Southern Cal had played in football, I don't know that it would have been 21 to 14. <laughs> it might have been like 17 right. to 10 or something like that. Yeah. Just, just, that, just a different game. That's back in the day where they didn't. It wasn't a three-game series, so you'd be playing for a national championship. Yeah. You got your your midweek starter on the hill. Yeah. yeah. Like because of the, just how it's just such a grind to get there, and then you're like, oh. And it was, it was, yeah. It was just if if one team had come out of the losers bracket, they only if they just lost one more yeah. game, they were done. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's, that's, it. that's the way it works. What's what's your you know if if I say let's go back to the season and think about one thing, what what, what memory comes to mind for you? Oh, definitely the, uh, I mean the the regional at A and M. Just cause we uh, and we were we were good, like we were okay. I, I don't even remember what our record was. Like, did we break forty men? That year for this after the regional, you, you finished 42 and 23. Okay, okay. Um, but you know, going going to AM and kind of like just man, we we snuck in this thing because mm-hmm. I believe we were like 36 and something after the SEC tourney, which that's kind of bubblish, yeah. Then. Um, and so you know, going there and um. You know, just just seeing the team come together and all that experience just step to the forefront right at the right time. I mean, that's something that I'll never forget. Um, you know, recording that final out at A and M, just like oh my god, we just 
I can't believe we did this again. Yeah. Um, you know, we, at that time, we were the first first team uh, or to go back-to-back in 97, 98. Mm-hmm. And then I know the boys did it, um, what, whatever. Last two uh, years, 18, yeah. 18, 18, 19, I guess. Yeah. So, um, but, yeah, it was uh, – that, that, that's – that's my, you know, my my best memory is is going to A and M uh, and being able to pull that off. Yeah, it was it was it was a lot of fun to keep up with this team uh, at that time. And like I said, I wish there was more records of it because a lot of great, you know, a lot of guys that you know people when they say who are the best players in MSU history, there's a lot of guys on this team that people people are going to mention. And so you know, to, oh, yeah. I just wish I, mean, I wish there was more. I don't know how you would find that stuff, but I wish to, I wish it, it was out there. So you'd have to, yeah. Get in the media archives. I mean, there was that team. You know, you had you had Brian Weiss who had a monster yeah, year yeah. that year. I mean, let off and like hit four something. Yeah. Um, you know, Richard Lee, mm-hmm. one of the best players in the history of mm-hmm. the program. It's mm-hmm. it's some really good players. And again, it's on the topic of forgotten. I mean, that last game, we were down five zero. And then Chris Reinecke came in, and he shook out like thirteen. It was something absurd. Yeah. And he came in and just—I sh- mean, out of nowhere. Um, I can remember uh, Matt Ishi, who was one of the coaches at the time, mm-hmm. when uh, he was warming up Chris, and we were down five-zero. He goes, "Just score six, and we're going to win." Meaning, like Chris is going to shut this guy down. Right. Yeah, he had he had some special stuff that night, so. It was a that was, that was a great experience. So cool. Well, Brad, thanks for your time, man. We really, really appreciate it. Going to enjoy talking to Brooks Bryan a little later in the show. And uh, you got, is there anything I should I should I can I can jab him with? <laughs> oh, well, Brooks. Well, there's one thing Brooks always he'll know all his stats, <laughs> right? You know, so he'll remind you that he got uh, probably that he I think he got the all. District are all regional team, yeah. and, I, and I didn't, so he'll know that. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's Joe said hello. We'll do, we'll do. Brad Freeman, thanks for joining us here on the podcast, man. We appreciate it. Yeah, man. Take care. All right, all right thanks to Brad. Beef Hotline. We appreciate his time. Uh, good good stuff there for him. Discussion about let's the go to our next interview now with former MSU center fielder, great players on that Brooks team, Bryan. Brooks Bryan, who, unlike Brad Freeman, lives a little closer to home. Isn't that correct? Uh, yeah, I live in I live in Madison. I grew up in Philadelphia, uh, Mississippi, and uh, I live in Madison now, and uh, been there for about fifteen years. We we can accept Madison, Brad up there in Oxford. I mean, that's just that's just tough sledding, <laughs> as as you that's might right. guess. Um, there's so much talking. We, we we mentioned this with Brad that this is the first year of Pat McMahon as the head coach. Now, obviously, he'd been on staff and had been there with Coach Polk and sort of been the, the right hand man there. But you know, what kind of coach was Pat McMahon? I feel like everybody knows about Ron Polk and not enough people know about Pat McMahon. What kind of coach was he? Yeah, uh, you know, he, he was definitely different than, than Coach Polk. Uh, and I, I think that may have been why it took us a while that first season in 98 to get going. Uh, you know, the first half of the season, I think we may have been, I don't know, 4-8 and eight or 6-12 and 12 or something early on. And, and, and we really didn't didn't turn it around till, till mid-season. But um, he was different in, in that – uh, he was more um, uh, had, I guess, more rules type. So I would compare him probably to John Cohen as far as yeah. uh, just he, he demanded more out of you and expected you 
you know, to, to do it. Um, you know, and, and we all liked him. It was just, it was the thing of him just being different than Coach Polk was that it took the team just a little adjustment to get used to. And then talking to Brad yesterday, he made it sound like Coach Polk was still around a lot and still did a lot with you guys. Yeah, he was. And, uh, and, and there was not any anything that he did that was in spite of, uh, you know, Coach McMahon or, or vice versa. It was just, it was just different. And it just took the team, I think, uh, uh, just a, you know, like I said, a fourth or a half of the season to get used to, to that. And I think maybe he and, and, and the rest of his coaching staff kept to kind of get used to the, to the team with him being the head guy. With all the guys that, that you brought back, was it surprising that you, that you had those struggles in SEC play? Or was it just a situation where, you know, the guys you lost, you know, guys like uh, Eric Dubose and Adam Pyatt specifically, they were just such big losses that, you know, it was just going to take some time to, to, to figure that out. Yeah, th- those two guys definitely left a couple of holes that that ended up being filled um, with, with with newer guys. But I think it was a little combination of both. You know, losing two guys. You know, Eric, of course, went in the first round, and then Adam went in, the, I think, the seventh or eighth round. And to try to figure out how to fill the shoes of those guys, along with having a new coach, along with, um, you know, I, I think that we expected more out of ourselves at the beginning and when we didn't see – uh, the positive results, we we just didn't handle it in the right way at, at the beginning, and then I think we just kind of figured it out as we went along that, hey, you know, we've got a lot of older guys on this team, a lot of juniors, a lot of seniors, that you know, I think we can make, an, make it some adjustments here and, and get it back going in the right direction. This team started to click a little bit towards the end. That's when you, I think you won three of your final four series, if I, if I had the numbers right there. And you're going into the SEC tournament, even though you know, as Brad told us yesterday, you, you felt like maybe you were a little bit on the bubble. Did you feel like you were playing your best baseball at the end of the year? Yeah, no doubt, man. I I, I look back at it, and I, I'm almost certain in the middle of the, of the SEC season, it was a series that we went to Auburn to play at Auburn. They're ranked in the top ten, top fifteen, and we had been struggling. And in that series, we go over there and we went on Friday, Saturday, and had a chance to sweep on Sunday and we get rained out, but. I think we came back with so much confidence from that series at Auburn that everything from then on started clicking for us, and we were able to get on that hot run. And, and we knew going to the SEC tournament, hey, we need to win two games here to give, a, give ourselves a pretty decent shot of making the tournament. And, and we did. We ended up winning, I believe. I'm almost certain it was two games in the SEC tournament, and then Arkansas put us out, which on the bus ride home, from that tournament, you know, we were all just like, you know, it's 50-50 if we get in, get in or not for the with the announcement coming in a couple of days. You think about the way those announcements are handled these days. You know, we're all sitting there watching them on television, and you're getting analysis. What's the what's a selection Sunday like in 1998? <laughs> so yeah, there was there was a lot of us that I think they announced it on uh, maybe a, I think it was Sunday at, at say 12 o'clock, and we all met up at the grill whenever it was where, of course, Stagger Inn yeah. is now, which I think maybe Stagger Inn is closed. But that's where it was, so we all meet up there. And, and the, you know, the Internet had just kind of started yeah. then. And, uh, and I remember Brian Compton coming in, and he was like, man, my buddy just told me that he saw it on some website that <laughs> we were going to Texas, or, yeah, going to Texas A&M Regional to, uh, and we were going to be playing Washington first game. And we were like, man, there's no way that, that it came out like that. But then when it was announced probably 10 minutes later, that's exactly
exactly what happened. We played Washington the first game in Texas and in Texas A&M. So that, your guy was sort of ahead of the twenty-four-seven six-pack kind of curve of having some sources. There's what you're telling me. Yeah, I guess so. Like I said, none of us believed it. Me and I know me and Brad Freeman and, and Rusty Toms were the three sitting there together, and then Brian Compton come over there and told us that. Man, there's no way that it would leak out early like that. But uh, I don't know if he guessed it right or, or if it actually leaked out. And I don't know if you guys remember back then. It was just. Uh, Six, uh, eight regionals of, of six. Yeah. There was only 48 teams to make it instead of now there's 64. So it was a lot harder to make it back. back and no super regionals. You had to win, what, at least three games in the regional. I guess you had to win four, didn't you? So, yeah, so there was there was six, there was eight regionals of six teams. So it was a six-team regional, and you had to win. We ended up having, we won the first game against Washington, then we lost to Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. And then we reeled off four straight, I believe. Right. Uh, so we actually had, maybe I had to win five uh, in that regional because we got in the loser's bracket uh, the second game. And, of course, you know, Washington is the team that had given you guys so much trouble the year before in Starkville. What was that rematch like? It was, Man, it, it, it was felt like the year before because they had all of their main guys still. And, of course, we had our guys other than DuBose and Pied. And, man, we knew Magruder and Nah. Everlow, you know, I can still remember all those names because, I mean, we ended up facing them three or four times yeah. in two years. And, you know, so it was kind of, you know, I would compare it to a big SEC weekend just because those guys, um, they had some great players on that team, and, and everyone I'm seeing to step up for that game. We sort of talked to Brad about it a little bit, but that crazy game in this region, obviously, is the Rice game where you come back from 13 5 down to win 15 to 14. And this sort of the whole theme of this show is. You think about that game, right? That should be a classic Mississippi State game, something that people talk about all the time. It never gets talked about. And I think it's mainly because it wasn't televised. You know, I listen to Jim Ellis call this game. When you think about that game and this regional and really this team, am I right in calling this sort of the forgotten College World Series team? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, because in, in, you mentioned we were down 14-5, to 5 and we were also down 9-2 to 2 even before that. So yeah. we were down two big – Two big uh, scores in that game, and and whenever whenever we came back on that game and, and won, and after the game, you know we're talking and we know that we've got to still beat Washington again, and we got to beat uh, Texas A&M probably a couple of times. We knew, hey, this this is why we got in the regional because we knew that we could do this, and we should have been doing this all year. So it gave us a lot of confidence, but and we knew after we won that game that man, we we can make a run. We can make a run at this. We've got the talent and. That's, that's the whole thing about that team is the whole year we knew we had the talent and finally we were able to put it together and, and baseball is all about getting hot at the right time and I you know I hear you guys talking about it all the time is you know play your best at the end of the year yeah you, because you can't play it you know 56 games uh, you want to always play it at the end of the year so um, we got hot at the right time yeah I, I do I think this is one of the forgotten teams just just like the year before I think the 97 team was, was a forgotten team too even though we had you know Dubose and Pied I still think that it, it kind of got lost in the shuffle and um, some people don't realize that that was the only team or group of guys that went to Omaha back to back years until last year when when the guys did it last year so and at least with uh, 97 Brooks you know the game was played in Starkville, so you had the people, you know, state fans were at the games at least. I mean, there couldn't have been maybe a few hundred Bulldogs who made the trip out to College Station for this one. So, I mean, really, 
there's a, an entire generation of fans that know this team existed that maybe didn't see them play a single postseason game until they got to until Omaha. And even then, like, Omaha wasn't it, what it is now. I mean, they were playing those games at like 3 o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon sometimes. So right. it's, just, it's just such an interesting story with, with this team. Everybody knows the big names on this team. You, Brad, Richard Lee, Jeremy Jackson. Who were some of the young guys that had to step up on this team? Uh, you know, Travis Chapman was one. That was my first guess, yeah. Yeah, he was a sophomore that year because the year before he was a true freshman and started at second base. And then the next year when when, when Pot went in the draft, Travis moved to third. Uh, Chris Lauterhouse was yeah. a transferring from, from Ole Miss that played at second as a junior uh, that year. Uh, Matt Ginner was our number two pitcher mm-hmm. who was probably a sophomore that year, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um so those are some right off the bat. I know, I know we were pretty well seasoned and older guys. You know, Barry Patton, Richard yeah. Lee, uh, Brad, myself. You had Brian Weiss in right field, Rusty in left, uh, Jeremy Jackson pitching. Um, a lot of older arms in the in the uh, in the bullpen with Hank Toms, Van Johnson, Kevin Donovan. So probably Travis Chapman and then the transfer with Chris Lauterhouse coming in were probably the two that you know that had to step up for us, and they did. You got my curiosity peaked a little bit here, because we just went through all this transfer drama a few weeks ago with Jerry and Jones and Fabian Lovett, especially when it looked like they were going to go to Ole Miss. Lauderhouse comes in from Ole Miss to Mississippi State. What was that like? Uh, man, it was it was cool. He, he was just a great guy. He fit in real well. Um, you know, back then, the rivalry in baseball wasn't really big because we played them eight times, and I'm almost certain we were seven and one against them in those two years. We played them, you know, the three times, and then we played them in the Mayor's Trophy. Game. So not any different than it is now, is what you're telling me, Brooks? <laughs> uh, true, as far as <laughs> records go. Even though now uh, I know Ole Miss is, is a whole lot better. And yeah. Right now, with you know the last three years or so, we've had their number, but back then they just they weren't as good as they have been the last say ten to fifteen years. Yeah. So, um, Probably the animosity or, or uh, was not there uh, at that time. Yeah, you nailed it. You were seven and one in those games. Okay. Yeah. Yep. What happened in the one lost? It was this year. You lost. Uh, it looks like the Saturday game, seven to five. Yeah, uh, in the nine, the ninety eight season. Yeah. I, I don't have a clue. I don't. I don't really remember it. <laughs> that may be on purpose. Yeah, I, I, I about to say that's that's the one loss you don't want to remember that one. So that's right. When you think back to this team and, and, and just your overall memories of it, what's the first thing that you think of? Uh, it's the camaraderie of the older guys because, you know, I played two years of junior college and then I came in uh, myself and Hank Toms from East Central and actually redshirted my first year there. So I was around these guys for three years. And just the camaraderie and, you know, being in the locker room and being on trips and uh, just, all of us just being around each other and being great friends more than just a baseball team and just the friendships that we've taken from it. Um, you know, there's a lot of us. Rusty and I still tailgate together here in football games, but it's more of just, um, you know, the friendships that we developed and, uh, and all of us being together. It's, it's such a fascinating team to, to go back because, you know, like I said, I think people just don't don't think about it that often, but it was really a great baseball team. A lot of talented guys, a lot of a lot of great characters, 
and of course, you know, a College World Series appearance, which is, you know, at this time, that's, that's as good as anybody's ever done at Mississippi State. So, good stuff. Brooks Bryan, thanks for joining me, man. I really, really appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Joel. Thanks for me. Appreciate it, Brooks. Okay. All right, and thanks to Brooks. Appreciate his time as well. Really good stuff from those two guys. They both agreed that this team has sort of been, been you know, looked over through the years. And just think about all sports of teams that have had great success. Is, is there a team that just sort of gets forgotten about more than this team does? Yeah, I mean, it's tough. It's, it's tough to, to come up with one. And I think a lot of the factors that we've mentioned over the course of this show are reasons for it. I mean, it, there are no highlight reels for the most part. I mean, you don't – whenever you think back to some of the – the things that even that they show on the video board and stuff, it, it doesn't seem like there's a ton of 98 stuff <laughs> that gets shown on, on on the video. And it's because probably there isn't a ton of video. There, there's just, there's very little way to relive it. You either went to these games or listened to these games. The end. Yeah. And, and there's just, there's not much, not much there to hold on to. I, I don't really think there'll be many of these kinds of teams again mm-hmm. because of the media environment there is now. I mean, yeah, so yeah. so much baseball, so much Twitter, so much, you know, the internet's alive and well. I mean, I don't think any of that's going anywhere. So you will forever be familiar now with every team going yeah. forward. But it was in an era. I mean, look, it was '98, but it, in some ways, it could have been. You know, nineteen fifty-eight or something. Yeah. It's just it, it, there, it feels that way. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we remember you and I, and, and people listening. A lot of you remember some of these names and came to Starfield and saw some of these guys play. And you know, I'm sure there's a few of you that probably went to A and M and went to that regional mm-hmm. and went to went to Omaha that year. But for a They're lot few of and far between though. Yeah, for for a lot of folks, there's just not a way to really reminisce about this team at all. Yeah. And that's a shame because, like I said, it's it, not only were they a good team, they had a lot of great players, and they had some great moments as well. And just like I said, just sort of been lost to the sands of time. Yeah, I mean, you would expect that. Yeah, if we were talking about the 1941 SEC champion football team or one of Babe McCarthy's teams, the SEC champions, you would expect, okay, you know, a lot of those guys aren't with us anymore. There's not a lot of – there's not going to be a lot of video or anything. Yeah. There's no – you can't really even talk to people who covered them, you know, unless I mean, Dave Murray wants to come on the show. <laughs> but – I mean, I, I would expect that, right? But this was a team, this is less than, you know. I mean, I haven't tried it, but when you go to YouTube and type in like 1998 nah. Mississippi State Baseball, does anything it's come not, up? It's not there. I mean, I even mean, like one of the College World Series games, and I I didn't mean to put you on the spot there, but it's just hard to find any anything. I'm, pro- I'm sure there's somebody that's got it on VHS somewhere. But what do they have on VHS? The three College World Series. Games. I mean, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> if you look up 1998 in Mississippi State baseball, the first five things are 1998 Mississippi State football, 1999 Mississippi State football, Mississippi State versus Arkansas 1998, 1998 Egg Bowl highlights, 1990 Mississippi State baseball. That's it. What's the 90 Mississippi State baseball? It's a video that Hale State put out. It's okay. a, it's like the season wrap up. State used to do those things, those VHS tapes. Yeah, but there, I guess there's not one for this, you know. And then it makes sense though, because think about it: how many games were being televised, you know, or, or or did you even have your own video crew at? You know, my guess is in 1998, State didn't take a video crew with them to Texas A&M. So, I'm trying to remember, 
When did State get... There was a video board at Duty Noble at this time, right? I mean, it was. It's not the. Yeah, mo- it's it not was, the big it's not, one. It's not a real now, video. But it was board. just like a. It was a smaller one. It was just like an eight bit thing. I don't even know if that's right. That may not. They may not have had that at this time. It may have just been the old scoreboard. So yeah. Just seems di- like seems like it, it. It was up, but yeah, it's not like you were watching a ton of video. It was just like stats or something. Right. On it kind right. Of thing. Right. Right. So. But, just a different time, so good to go back and look at it. We appreciate Brad and Brooks joining us to talk about this uh, this game this this season. Very very good stuff. All right, I don't know what next week's deep dive is going to be yet. We got I got a lot of ideas at least, but I haven't I haven't settled on one yet. The history so. of thunder and lightning. <laughs> Who are we going to talk to? <laughs> Bob Carscadden <laughs> will join us. So Bob, when you abandon me. <laughs> No, other than that I think one. we've told that story already, and yeah. it, it does not fill a show. No, so. All right, guys, have a great weekend. Joel and I will be back with you on Sunday evening. Until then, for Joel T. Coleman, I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.